Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast. We are closing out our sermon series called Everybody Dies as we explore death and dying and grief. And so on this particular Sunday when we uh, commemorate and celebrate All Saints Day and also uh, Dia de los Muertos, and I'll talk about that in a moment, um, we are going to be reflecting on a passage from the book of Isaiah in the Older Testament. So this will be Isaiah 25, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 10a. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. For you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. For you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The place, the palace of aliens is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a refuge to the poor, a refuge to the needy in their distress, a shelter from the rainstorm and a shade from the heat. When the blast of the ruthless was like a winter rainstorm, the noise of aliens like heat in a dry place. You subdued the heat with the shade of clouds. The song of the ruthless was stilled. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken." It will be said on that day, Lo, this is our God, we have waited for him, so that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation, for the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. So for those of you who have read my book, uh, Failing Boldly, you will uh, remember this story that I told in it. Several years ago, when I was pastoring a United Methodist Church in Deerfield in the northern suburbs of Chicago, uh, All Saints Day was coming up. Uh, for those who don't know, All Saints Day is at November 1st in the church, or All Saints Sunday. It's the Sunday after November 1st, and we think about those in our lives who have lived faithfully, and we remember them and commemorate them. So on this particular Sunday, it was coming up at, at the church, and I was trying to think, of what's something that I could do that's creative to commemorate the day. I think at the time I saw All Saints Day as a pretty reflective, uh, even very somber moment. And um, at that time, my grandfather, my mom's dad, had just passed away. And at his funeral, they played the bagpipes at the gravesite. And I was kind of moved by that. And um, so I thought, what would it be like to have the bagpipes played in church at the funeral? And so I would add even more ambiance, I guess, to the whole worship service. So I found a bagpiper in the yellow pages of all things and had the person come in. Uh, and before, when she arrived and we talked through what would happen and she said to me, you know, the bagpipes are pretty loud and the space where we were worshiping uh, wasn't huge by any means, but I thought, no, it's fine. It'll be great. It'll be a great way to it'll add to the service uh, and really do its part in helping people remember the loved ones who have passed away. And then as soon as the service started, and as soon as the bagpipe started playing, I knew I had made a really big mistake. 
because as she had warned me, the bagpipes were so loud, especially in this enclosed space. I think bagpipes perhaps are meant to play in either outside or in larger spaces. And so she's walking down the aisle. This is near the beginning of the service. And we already were singing a somewhat somber hymn. I can't remember if we had already read the names of those who had passed away, but people were already in that kind of space. And the bagpipes already were a, a sad instrument to hear. And then they were so loud and people were already crying because of the day. And the people were literally putting their hands over their ears. Uh, and in fact, one little girl, I could see her turn to her her parents and say, Mommy, make it stop. And I knew as I sat up front uh, near the altar that I had made a really big mistake. So as I reflect back on that, I had wondered, why did I do that in the first place? And I think part of it was because, part of it is because I wanted myself to feel good, that I'm this creative pastor that does these creative things. But also I had a sense, because I'd heard the bagpipes at a funeral, I thought, well, All Saints Day, we remember those who have died. We just need to kind of ramp up the feelings uh, that people are feeling, which I don't think is necessarily the, the right response. I noted that earlier that uh, we are ending this sermon series about death and dying. So I think it's appropriate to complete this series as we, uh, this Sunday, we'll be doing the same things. We remember All Saints Sunday. So again, this is, I'm going to read now from the United Methodist Book of Worship about how it defines All Saints Day or All Saints Sunday. And it says this, first it says, we celebrate the communion of the saints as we remember the dead. So celebration is one of the first verbs that's mentioned. And then it continues saying, for this reason, the names of persons in the congregation who have died during the past year may be solemnly read as a response to the word. And I think when we think about in the church, All Saints Day or All Saints Sunday, it's that solemnly read piece that seems to, at least in my experience, be the thing that people are drawn to, that it must be a solemn, solemn day. And yet we forget, as it reads in the beginning, that celebration is also part of this day. Also throughout this sermon series, we've been talking about this Sunday, we'll all, in addition to All Saints Sunday, we'll be talking about uh, the Day of the Dead, or Dia de los Muertos, which uh, our Mexican friends celebrate November 1st and 2nd. I was reading an article about this. Here in Chicago, there's uh, there's the National Museum of Mexican Art, and um, Cesar Moreno, Cesario Moreno, who is the chief curator at the museum, he had a quote in an article, and he said that the name Day of the Dead scares some people, but really it's a celebration of life and of family more than it is about death. And that's where I want to place the emphasis as we think about the saints, those who have gone before us. Certainly, I'm not saying that we should do away with sadness or mourning, but I think also we can do some reflection about what has the person meant in my life, and can we also celebrate and rejoice of the impact that they've had? I read this really great uh, article in National Geographic about uh, Dia de los Muertos, and it talks about, not again, that the holiday is a reaffirmation, particularly of indigenous life in Mexico. One of the centerpieces of this uh, holiday is what's called the ofrenda, which is an altar often built in people's homes or in cemeteries. Now, these altars aren't there to worship. Instead, uh, the traditional belief is that they're meant to welcome spirits back to the realm of the living. And so they're loaded with offerings. Now, for those of you who've seen the movie Coco, 
they do such a wonderful job of, of showing this. They put water to quench the thirst after a long journey. They put uh, the loved one's favorite food. Of course, they have photos. They have candles that are lit in this way, too. On Sunday in worship, I'm going to show a clip, a very brief clip of, of the movie Coco, of this journey from, from death to back to life on this particular day. And as I was looking at all of the different photos and the ways that people remember their loved ones, it really does have this a sense of celebration of the impact that this loved one has had in our lives. And in the midst of our the pain that we may have and feeling, particularly those who have died in the last year, I hope that we can also find some space to be able to, to celebrate and to do some reflection on what impact did this saint did this person have on my life? And what can we do to replicate it? How can we be inspired by them still today so that, particularly for Christians, that we can live Christ-like lives? Now, we see, I think, I'm maybe, I don't think I'm stretching necessarily, and I'm not saying that there is a connection, a direct connection with the Isaiah passage with Dia de los Muertos, but um, I do see some connections here. So, before we talk about those connections, a brief word about this passage that I read from Isaiah. Here, between chapters 24 through mid-chapter 27 of Isaiah, some scholars call call this the Isaiah Apocalypse. And they believe that maybe this section actually was placed into the scriptures maybe even a century later. Because as you read the first part of Isaiah, uh, there are certain themes. And the themes that we read here in chapters 24, 25, 26, 27 are very different than the themes we read elsewhere. So it's kind of like perhaps people took this and plopped it down in the middle of this section in order to, to make a point about apocalypse. Now, again, this apocalypse is one of those kind of religious words. And by that, we mean as the, as I'm a child of the 1980s, as the song R.E.M. says, it's the end of the world as we know it. People reflection on the end of times, what happens when all things come to a conclusion. So in this particular section, that's what this Isaiah apocalypse is doing. It's imagining what will happen at the end of times. So this starts in chapter 24, chapter 24, not what we read today, but instead one chapter before we read there's judgment, a lot of judgment of those who have gone against God's laws, those who have broken God's covenant. And then we come to what we read today in chapter 25, and there's a shift. It goes from judgment. Instead, now we read praise and thanksgiving. I don't know if you picked up on the first five verses that we read today. There's praise for God, right out of the box, verse 1 says, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name, for you have done wonderful things. So that's the first five verses. And then the writer continues in saying that he is, the writer is celebrating the defeat of the enemies of those, particularly the enemies of those who are the poor, the needy, the distressed. And then we see in verses 6 through 9, there is uh, imagination that's happening. There is somebody who is getting a sense, doing some reflection, envisioning what will happen in the end of days. And the first thing that the person envisions is a heavenly banquet. Now, here, I think, is where we can maybe see a little bit of a connection with Dia de los Muertos, because food is such an important part of the ofrenda. And we see the same thing happening here. There is a, a heavenly banquet that's going on. The Isaiah passage continues. Death is swallowed up. This is the vision that this 
profit has. Death is swallowed up. Tears are wiped away. Disgrace is removed. All of this is the culmination of God's salvation. And then in continuing with this vision and continuing with his imagining, it talks about a shroud sheet is destroyed, meaning death does not separate us anymore. And again, a connection to Dia de los Muertos. The holiday originated several thousand years ago with the Aztec, uh, Toltec, and other Nahua people. I'm reading now from this National Geographic uh, article. Uh, and Dia de los Muertos talks about mourning the dead is actually disrespectful. Instead, death was seen as a natural phase in life's long continuum, that the dead were still members of the community, kept alive in memory and spirit. And the belief is that on this particular day, Dia de los Muertos, they temporarily return to earth. So here, interesting, we see some connections here, I think, in this Isaiah passage and this holiday, or this commemoration, that death does not separate. And Isaiah talks about that the shroud is, is destroyed, that the sheet is taken away, that we are brought close to perhaps those who have gone before us. And in Dia de los Muertos, again, that there is a, a moment when maybe death is not as is not the barrier, perhaps, that we sometimes think it is. Instead, it brings us so much closer. And maybe on this day, uh, some tears are wiped away, and they feel uh, and sense who these are, these loved ones who have gone before this, and the impact that they have on our lives. So I think we see here in both All Saints Day and Dia de los Muertos, this is a time to, to honor This is a time to celebrate. This is a time to be inspired by those who have gone before us. And so in addition to celebrating the impact that they have on our lives, I think we also should ask ourselves the question then, how can these saints, how can these loved ones propel us to live a more Christ-like life? Is there something in their own lives that they have done that forms us? And perhaps we can remember and think again about what they have done for us so that we can lead our own lives of love and grace. So in worship, we will put together our own ofrenda as a community. And so I'm hoping and anticipating that people will bring pictures of loved ones to the ofrenda. And maybe they will also have uh, bring favorite food uh, items for the ofrenda. We will be doing the same of our own family. I'll bring a picture of my grandfather who passed away this last uh, June and uh, maybe try to find some of his favorite snacks too. Uh, I think and hope that we'll also bring in a picture of my uh, mother-in-law who uh, passed away uh, in 2005. uh, And even though it's been 13 years now, of course, she still lives in our hearts and our memories and she still inspires me. And I thought about her as I th- heard another story uh, recently about another woman who was uh, almost uh, near her the end of her life. Father, I, I was at a conference in August in San Diego and heard Father Gregory Boyle speak. Father Boyle is the founder of what's called Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles, which is the largest gang intervention and rehabilitation and reentry program in the world. And he's written a couple different books, and he spoke at this gathering. It was just really inspiring, but he told this lovely story uh, about his his mother, 
when he spoke in August, his mother had died a few months ago. And he talked about being at her at her deathbed. And she said, or he said that she died in a home, that she was sharp to the end. And he also said that his mother was not afraid of dying. In fact, she was kind of happy to be going home. He said uh, humorously on one of her last days, uh, Father Boyle was there with some of his siblings uh, and they were watching her. She was sleeping and they were kind of anticipating the end of her life. And at one point she woke up and she looked around at her siblings and she said, oh, for crying out loud. And then she went back to sleep. And Father Boyle said this was pretty funny because she was angry that she wasn't dead, that she'd woken up and there were her children again. <laughs> so he kind of got a chuckle out of that. But he also shared another story when he was at her bedside and she had a different reaction this time when she woke up as they were there for her and she woke up and she looked at them with these loving eyes and she said these wonderful words. She said, you're here. As if to say she just was so overjoyed to be there and to have them in her presence. And Father Boyle in his talk expressed his belief that that is how God works in our own lives. That every day that we wake up, there's this voice, perhaps this whisper that says to us, you're here, you're here in the world, and I am rejoicing that you are present. Now, all of this I remember because one of the many things that I so loved about my mother-in-law was she had this such a gift of hospitality, particularly this gift of welcome, that whenever you entered into her home or entered uh, into the space that she was he was in, she had this wonderful smile and this look on her face. I mean, really, it was almost the exact feeling of you're here and I'm so glad to see you and I welcome you here into this space. And I think about that and she continues to inspire me about how am I, do I have that same sense of welcome? And there are many times when I don't. There are times in my life when I'm just the opposite, that I'm put out that people are in my space, that if somebody is isn't doing something that I that I want to that I get a little put out and I'm pout or I'm petulant this past week I had to pick up a prescription at a Walgreens and I went there and the prescription that I needed I don't understand it fully but somehow the prescription had changed and so the pharmacist needed to sign off on it or scan their own little thing and the pharmacist was gone and would be gone for the next 20 minutes and I acted like this was the end of the world, this poor person who was behind the cash register. I did just the opposite of this sense of welcome. And I think we, we get into this rut of expecting the world to bend to our own will and bend to our own timeline. And yet, on this particular day, Dia de los Muertos, I will try to have a heart of celebration, of remembering my grandfather who at times could be a little stern, but also was so very present. My dad preached a sermon at his funeral, talked about grit and grace, that my grandfather was one who just always got things done, but also there'd be moments where he would show grace. And I'll think about my mother-in-law and the many things that she did to have an impact on my life, particularly the way that she just welcomed welcomed people uh, whenever she was around them. Who are those in your own life, the saints in your life that you can celebrate today, that you can give thanks to God for, that you can 
reflect on and perhaps on this particular time of the year and we have a sense that death that the shroud of death has been has been destroyed and we feel even closer to them and we are inspired by them so that they can compel us as we follow Christ and worship Christ but also look to those saints who can help us to make a decision that I'm going to live a different life because of the example that this person has made for me it doesn't fully wipe away the tears it doesn't fully get us out of our mourning nor do I expect any of you to do that, especially for those who have lost a loved one in, in recent months. But I do hope that we can also take this time to, to rejoice, to rejoice in the impact that this person has had on our life, that we can remember them in our prayers. We can still be inspired to them and count them. The book of Hebrews talks about this great cloud of witnesses that we have in our life, that we count them among that cloud and that they would continue uh, to be with us. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, As I noted, we will be starting a new sermon series uh, starting next week about money. And so you can tune in next week for that. And so uh, until the next time, you can always reach out to me. uh, ChristianKuhn.com is my website or Christian at UrbanVillageChurch.org is my email address. And you can always reach out to me with any questions or reflections and you want to continue the conversation. And so the next until the next time friends may the peace of Christ be with you. My treasure that-